0: Thread, God's truth tying together all the pieces of your life. Thread is the broadcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. Thread. Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley and welcome back to Thread, episode 91. Today in my prayer time, I was just praising God that the basis of my relationship with Him is mercy. That He looks on me in mercy and through the blood of Jesus. I am acceptable to him. He's proud of me. Everything about me is okay with God because of what Christ has done for us. And that is an awesome way to be able to live our lives. We just put on Christ like a garment. He covers us up and we are now a man in Christ, a new creation in him. Well, today we're looking at a story of prayer and prejudice, a story about the prayer lives of two men and also the prejudice that surrounded them and the way it was um, hindering the outreach that God wanted to have uh, toward Gentile people. Um, in my childhood, global Christianity was largely a white European religion that was shared by those who were from the northern hemisphere and had a European or American background in their family. And today, all that has changed. Most Christians are varying shades of brown. And the largest churches in the world are in Korea and Indonesia. Africa is probably the most Christianized continent in the world. And most Central American nations are today predominantly Pentecostal in their religion. And we can trace all this back to Acts chapter 10. And to the beginning of a mindset shift in certain forward-thinking leaders of early Christianity. Now they can't; uh, those leaders can't take any credit for the mind shift because God did it. Uh, Jesus gave us a great commission in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. He told his disciples, who were largely country people from small districts. Uh, kind of mountain people from small districts in Israel. And he said to them, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, all the ethnic groups is what that means, literally. And in Acts chapter one, verse eight, he speaks to them again just before his ascension. And Jesus says, "Okay, this is what you're going to do. I want you to start at your home base. We're going to spread the gospel throughout Jerusalem. And then you move to the basically the, the state that we're in, Judea, and then you spread out from Jerusalem to Judea, and then at the border of Judea is this mixed race place, and that's half Jews and kind of half messed up Assyrian bloodlines, and just some confusion in their religion and in who they even are. And he says, That's next, Samaria. You're gonna go into Samaria and then You're going to go to the ends of the earth. Uh, But they didn't do that. Uh, They didn't do that for a number of reasons. But one of them is that if you look at the history of the Jewish people in the Old Testament, they have, especially at the end of the Old Testament, um, we have a, a time when they become seduced by the Gentile world. And every time... Jewish people become close to Gentile people. The Gentile cultures call out to them. And these cultures were um, lascivious. They were lustful. You had temple prostitution. You had gods that you worshipped through drunkenness. And uh, it continued to be a snare on the life of Israel to the point that... Uh, They began to sacrifice their own children in the fire as the pagan nations did. Solomon himself built um, worship sites for all these different gods in the holy city of Jerusalem. And from there, the downward slide just takes off until finally God banishes the Jews from their own homeland, sends them to live in Babylon and while in Babylon, totally surrounded in a Gentile nation as slaves, you know, two tribes in Babylon, ten tribes just lost. The Assyrians just slaughtered them, spread them all over the world. Uh, you know That's been their relationship with Gentiles. So for them, the cure against the wrath of God is stay away from Gentiles. They seduce us. They are uh, godless people. They are enemies of God, and they are part of like the devil's army. And every time they get near us, pain follows. So don't get near a gentile. There, they uh, defile you. Even if you touch a gentile, uh, or you don't even have to touch a gentile. Touch something that a gentile touched physically, and you become defiled, and consequently. Early Christianity was 100% Jewish. Many Christians could not in those days conceive of Gentiles as part of God's plan. They just saw themselves as a pure Jewish renewal movement. But they had the Great Commission. Go to all the nations of the world. And God drives them out of the city. They're in Jerusalem. They won't go out. Then... You know, we've already covered the story of Paul and the great persecution, and that scatters a lot of them out of the city. They run away from the persecution, but with the exception of the Antioch church, most of the preaching they did was to the Jewish community in Jewish synagogues. But Acts chapter 10, God takes over, and he takes the man that Jesus left in charge of the church, and he cracks open his closed mind, toward Gentiles, toward Gentile nations, toward those who are not Jewish in any way. Now this book, uh, we're in Acts chapter 10, and it opens with these words. It's a story of a Gentile man. It said, now there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, and one who feared God with all his household who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. And about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. That's how the story opens. Uh, And a little background here. The Romans were invited in by the Jews about a hundred years before this story because the Jews were fighting among themselves some Jews were very Greek in their way. They even had surgeries to remove their circumcision, uh, so they wouldn't look so different as when they were wrestlers. Uh, wrestlers didn't wear any clothes, and that you know they wanted to fit in in the Gentile world. And all these uh, inner fightings went on. And finally, one of the groups turned to Rome, which was the great world power, and said, "Can you come? Basically, send peacekeepers." And Rome did, and then they just said, we're just staying. This is a a hotbed place. Uh, It's always creating trouble. We're going to just take this. It is the land bridge between Europe and Africa. And so the Romans didn't go home. And many Jews hated having the Romans there. And the Romans enforced their power through their army. And this man (laughs) is a... um, a non-commissioned officer in that army. So, I mean, he's not just a Gentile on Jewish soil. He is a member of the occupying forces. And yet, he has signs of spiritual integrity. Uh, It opens by saying he was a devout man. And it uses a word that's a little different from the other times that that word is used in the New Testament. You say base is the word they use. And it means that he... He had he expressed himself in devoted activity, um, and he did that with energy directed by this holy awe of God. Okay, he's not just a, a, a man who just sits and emotionally ponders God and loves God. He is he's an, an action man, and he has devoted activities. He does things. He uses his body, uses his power. He uses his money. He uses his house and he expresses his love for God through devoted activity. He lives with an awe of God and he wasn't shy about it and he wasn't embarrassed as a soldier to uh, display this and to try to influence people around him. He was over a hundred men. And he was a non-commissioned officer. Uh, He feared God. He had this reverential awe of God. And it says uh, on down there, he gave alms generously. So he used his money and gave money away, looked for people to help. And finally, it says he was always praying. So this story begins with the prayer life of Cornelius the Gentile. And then it moves. The next link is the prayer life of Simon Peter. Because as Cornelius is praying, an angel appears to him in prayer uh, and and says these words in verse 4. Two things. Your prayers and your alms, your giving away of money, have risen up before the Lord. It's pretty significant. You know, this man has no connection to Judaism. He is outside of the gospel, and yet his heart leads him to do the right thing. And the right thing is he is always talking to God. He's pouring his heart out to God and he's using the wealth that God gives him. And the Lord says that is like a sweet smelling sacrifice before the Lord. And you are being rewarded. Uh, I am going to bring you into something new. Send men to Joppa, to Simon the Tanner. He lives by the sea. Ask for Peter. And the angel leaves. You know, I remember... uh, when I was in college, had a big national Christian leader named Jerry Falwell, and he was pretty hardcore in his uh, conservatism, and the press was always baiting him. And I remember one day they asked him a question, does God hear the prayer of non-Christians? And uh, he, you know, he didn't want to give away anything about how important the gospel is and how central Christ is. And how there is no other way. So, you know, his answer was like, no, you know, God cannot uh, respond to the prayers. Well, you know, it's not for us to say what God can and can't do. He just does what he does. And, you know, here's a story about a man who, as far as the definition that we would follow of what it means to know God and to know Him in forgiveness of your sins and to know salvation, Cornelius does not know the gospel about Jesus. He, you know, he's. He's not fitting into, you know, the whole Christian way. And yet, God is talking to him. You know, God talks to people whose hearts are open. I had a friend who's Muslim from Iran, and his family was part of the military there. And he, um, he came to the Philippines, and his wife um, was a nominal Christian, and he was a Muslim. And he um he started going to these Philippines was in this great move of God season, and his wife convinced him to go because they had food to a Bible study. And he went to the Bible study and he, you know, he has these visions. Now he's not praying. He's sitting back by the food table. He's waiting for them to get finished with the Bible and the singing part and then serve food because he's very extroverted and he loves to eat. And uh some sitting there, you know, and and he's he sees things he sees a dove fly over everybody when they're worshiping and the men invite him to go to this retreat and on the retreat he he says I I see Jesus and then they said oh I, you know you can't see Jesus he said I see him he is there and they said you're not a christian if Jesus was here and he wanted to show himself he he wouldn't show himself to you he would show himself to us because we're Christians. And Mansoor said, well, whatever you say, but I see Jesus. His arms are out. He's calling me to come, you know. And God was reaching out to Mansoor. You know, finally there was this day where Mansoor comes upon a uh, a big traffic accident. This guy's car has gone under a semi-truck and on a bridge. And the man is screaming. And he's afraid to, everything's going to catch fire. He's screaming, get me out, get me out. And... All the men are trying everything they can to uh, liberate this man. Can't get him, can't get the car door open, can't get him out from underneath the truck. And Monsieur hears a voice <laughs> and the voice says, say in the name of Jesus. And he, he shouts in the name of Jesus. And this car just rolls out on its own. And Monsieur looks at it, you know, and knows that. God did this. And he gets in his car. Actually, the way he tells the story, he gets in his car. He drives home. He's very upset. His wife is in the shower after that. And he is laying on the bed and he's saying, how can this happen to me? I am a Muslim. My wife is the Christian. And now I am shouting the name of Jesus and things are happening. And, you know, God is awesome. He loves people. He's reaching out all over the world and when he finds the heart of a sincere person, he touches their heart and he draws them to him. Is Jesus the only way to salvation, the only way to forgiveness of our sins? Absolutely. If there was another way, God would have done it. He would not have bankrupt heaven. He would not have sent his son. Christ would never have had to go through all that. And he wouldn't even now be stuck as a God-man forever and ever and ever when he was eternal God without the limitations of humanity, God doesn't make mistakes, and He wouldn't have done all that if it wasn't absolutely essential for salvation. But is God working in the lives of people to bring them to Him, even in the midst of of their uh, spiritual blindness and whatever other sin they might have themselves into? Absolutely, He has always been that kind of God. He always will be that kind of God. Cornelius calls his servants. He does not doubt. He doesn't say, what will my men think of me if I send them off on this crazy mission and tell them what I just saw? Uh, What will my boss think of me? He doesn't care. He is a devout man. And he's influencing others. Cornelius lays his hands on another devout soldier. And he sends him out with a partner. Joppa is 40 miles away. It's an eight-hour brisk walk. And it will take all day long to get there. Switch scenes. Peter is in prayer. Uh, it's noontime. It's time for lunch. But while they're cooking, Peter sneaks away to spend time with God in prayer. You know, in Thailand right now, it's rainy season. And it's really beautiful how green things are. And, you know, it's kind of a hassle having this much rain because, I mean, it rains. We'll have a, an hour or two where this, the sun might crack through some places in the gray sky and make beautiful little vignettes Uh, and it might you know stop raining for two three hours and then it's coming again and you know it I was up in the mountains the other day and I was driving this curvy road and all of a sudden the road opened up into this gorgeous valley and it was misting and I pulled over and I got out of the truck and uh, I went and stood under some a banana plant Uh, as a little bit of a shelter from the rain and I just I looked at what was around me and I just started worshiping the Lord and I just started communing with him. And, you know, and it struck me how seldom I do that these days. I used to do it more. You know, I'm I'm really a task oriented person and I have my devotional time in the morning and then I get on with it during the day and I will, you know, I might return uh, periodically through day and just Say something to the Lord and you know, when my heart rises up, worship him. But as far as like what Peter's doing, you know, to, to look for, you know, it's kind of like, let's say you're absolutely crazy about somebody and you're, you're not married and you're in the early stages of your relationship and you're just so smitten with each other and any chance you get to sneak off From the group and be together, you do it. Even if it's only five minutes, uh, you would rather be alone, the two of you, than any other thing in the world. You know, and I think there's something of a divine romance that we're supposed to maintain with God. And this, you know, what is prayer for you? I hope it's not your duty I hope it's not your obligation. Jesus was really clear that God does not want to hear us repeat anything over and over again to him, do some form of prayer, some discipline of prayer, that that's not what it is for him. It's completely relational. But, you know, Christ got up early in the morning, not because he had to, but because he wanted to. There were nights that he stayed awake all night, spending time in prayer. He, He was... He was prone to do what he's taught Peter. And now it's in the heart of Peter to do that. He's very hungry. He wants to eat lunch, but but he sees a chance. Hey, nobody's watching. Everybody's getting ready for the meal. I could slip away and be with the Lord again. And he steals those moments. And, you know, I hope you'll do that this week. And I'm going to make a point in my mind to remind myself to always be looking for those moments those opportunities this week to to slip away and to renew my, my love and prayer time that, you know, that there are times that we have with the Lord that nobody needs to know about them and it's not for the public. This is personal. It's just between us and the Lord. And uh, if you'll go there, God will show up. You know, just go there and express your love, express your gratitude to Him. Just love on the Lord. That's the... That's the commandment. When people ask Jesus, what does God want from us? He said, love God. Just love God. Love him with all of your heart. Love him with your mind. Love him with your soul. Love him with your, all the strength of your doing. Love God. Let's just love God. And he'll guide us in the things that we are to do. Because as Peter goes away and loves the Lord, he has his own spiritual experience and God deals with his prejudice. Uh, I'm not going to have time to get into the prejudice part. Let's just stop on the prayer and we'll pick it up next time. on uh, how God uses this event to begin breaking down the prejudice that was in the body of Christ that kept them from evangelizing. But, you know, prayer is the willingness to hear God speak. It's the willingness the the openness to have a conversation. With him, So we talk some, we listen a lot, but just by showing up and by going to that that private place, it's a statement to God that I really want to know you. I want to be with you. And if we will make that statement and make it again and again, like Cornelius did, he was always making that statement to God. I am seeking you, Lord. You don't have to seek me. It's not your place to have to run after me and always chase me and this be one sided. Cornelius you know was putting his he's putting his back into this relationship you know I want to seek you I'm going to chase you I'm going to love you I am going to live in awe of you and God told him I see what you're doing I watch the energy of your life I, I am there when you are praying and I am here to respond to you you live like that before God my friend and he will respond to you that's all for now. If you want to uh, write me, you can do it on my Facebook page, Chuck Quinley is the Facebook page, or write me an email, chuck at Quinley.com. I would love to hear from you. See you next time on Thread. Thread is the broadcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. Log on to Quinley.com.